Last week, uh, we had a uh, small group of us go to Eastland. There was Sam, and uh, there was Tom, and uh, there was Alex and myself, and we went out shouting coffees. And so we walked over to Eastland, and we said um, to... Uh, what was, it? What was the, um, the cafe again? It was... Oliver Brown, that's right, Oliver Brown. And uh, we just said, look, can we get a fix a tab with you? And we went around to the, the various uh, store owners, and uh, or maybe not the owners, but those working in retail. And uh, we just simply said, look, would you mind if we could buy you a coffee this morning? We reckon that's pretty tough. Retail's had a hard time these last couple of years. Would you mind if we did? And I had one person say, oh, we drink your coffee. We really like it. <laughs> and I said, well, we went and bought the coffees, came back and said, actually, we're with a community of faith. And this is what we're doing on this particular day engage and we talked about all the different different things that were happening and uh, it was just lovely to be able to connect with um, those people and just say you know we just recognize Sunday morning retail would be the worst thing there's only one thing better than that um, it's coming and being part of a group of no <laughs> um, but it was just really good to be able to, to, to do that and uh, people really do like hot chocolates and coffee and so that was a, a good thing just one way in which we can posture ourselves in our wider community. And so last week was about outward focus. Next week is going to be about inward focus. And one of the greatest gifts you can give to someone next week, if you're sitting next to someone today to say, hey, could we catch up, go for a walk? Could we have a coffee? Could you want, do you want to come over for a meal together? Or maybe we go and do a walk together. That would be a great gift that you could give someone else next week as we seek to build community. It's our community weekend. We're going to hear about state youth games coming up next week and uh, all the fun time they're going to have at 5 a.m. in the morning down at Lardens Park in the, in the warm, sunny 30 degrees weather. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Why don't you just uh, look to the person next to you? Maybe just give a little smile. Don't make it too awkward. You know, just we're here in the room together. It's really nice to be together. Oh, no, don't talk. Don't be, don't be extra nice. Just, you know, let them know that you're here. It's good to be together today. <laughs> All righty. Wow, it's nice to know even on a, I said to someone this morning, you know, it's winter and we have delivered winter, so this is what you get. It's really good to be together this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome as well. Um, came Friday this week and what I was going to talk about, a new series that was going to be lined up here called Rebuild, um, I just had a sense that I shouldn't go in that direction. And so Jeff, who normally organizes all of the, the screens, and Glenn's been very generous over many years in providing all of our visuals, um, we got it on Friday. So Jeff, if you're listening in today, I want to apologize to you. Um, but on Friday, I just sense I needed to shift things up. And I needed to shift them around because of a number of conversations I'd been having with people from New Community and outside of. And so today we were going to have a parent-child dedication and uh, Matt and Beck Yates, um, they were going to stand up here with Louie and Nia and they were going to give thanks to God for the life of their, their kids. Twins, uh, another two above, so all the family together. And uh, Beck indicates during the week, she says, well, Louie got a hand infection, it blew up this big and we had to go to hospital. So he was a couple of nights in hospital on a drip and then... Uh, lo and behold, because Nia didn't want to be uh, shown up by her brother, um, she went and got an ear infection. And, and so that's just been one of a number of things, not only for them, but as I've spoken to families here at New Community, 
there's just been this rolling sort of sickness and feeling this stretching sort of out of their um, out of all of their resources because of, of the kind of disjunction that's been happening in families' lives. And then um, others of us in our community have been experiencing loss. And so, Cam, you're here this morning, and uh, you buried mum on Friday. Barb um, said it was a great celebration and honouring of her life. And, and when one of our own folk grieves, we grieve. And, and I know it was grandma to, uh, to Ash and Joel and Jamie. And so we just want to acknowledge that. And so our heart and our love to you today. And you're here. Well done, you. And so I just am conscious and mindful of the hardship that's going on in people's lives and our chance to be able to support one another. I sat with someone this week who um, is in the midst of their chemotherapy treatment. And I realized that for a number of people, it's just hard. And there's difficulty around us. Yeah. And, and then um, <laughs> I spoke to some teachers over the, the last weeks. I mean, if you're a teacher here today, could you just put your hand up? Because, uh, yep, we just want to give you an extra shout out this morning. Because... Um, Teachers and, and medical people are doing it so hard. I was speaking to Kristen Smith, she said, principal of a school, she said, I had four classes combined. Now, I think vertical streaming's gone, <laughs> but I think we're just relocating it again, right? Because of the, they, they said a, a quarter to a third of kids and staff are away week on week on week right now, right? And, and so if you want to be stretched, that, that's a stretch, right? And yet other people in your different industries have just been, you know, rolling on as though nothing's changed, but it has for many others. And then I was speaking to a young man this, this week, I was so impressed, he said, look, I've just started work, I'm getting up at seven, getting home at seven, my life is really full, you've been talking about this rest thing, Troy, how do you do rest? <laughs> and I said, well, I've broken that already because I'm talking to you on my day off, <laughs> But I said, I don't hold it really rigidly, but there needs to be a pattern. And, and we're all under this sense of pressure and this downward pressure that's impacting us in so many different ways. So come Friday, I heard a, a, a thumping maybe on my door or a nudge from God that said, you need to shift it up this morning, Troy. And so I pulled out the banner that we started with at the beginning of the year, breathe. Stop, pause, breathe. This idea of inhale, God, where are we? Pause, God, where are you? And exhale, God, where are you at work that I might join you? That's what was last week was about, joining God in activities in a formal sense. So we had regroup on Sunday. And uh, for those that gathered, we asked them, what's changed and how do we repair as a community? A and wider than that. And one person or one table said this, we feel like we are back, but not the feel of back. Does that make sense? We're back, but not the feel of back. And so there's this been technical word that's been spinning around in my head that I thought I'd share with you today that I've been using to summarize the kind of space that I think people are in. And it goes like this, higgledy-piggledy. Have you ever heard that before? Higgledy-piggledy. I said that to someone this week and they went, wow, 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 that's an interesting word. <laughs> that's my words. They said, um, yeah, that probably sums it up. I looked it up. This is a 16th century word. And uh, they think it was used to, uh, the word they used to describe to herd pigs. <laughs> there is no correlation whatsoever between that 
and, and ourselves. However, that being said, the higgledy-piggledy. And so, as I paused, I thought I need to put my pastor's hat on. I don't know what the pastor's hat looks like, but there are moments where you just need to put it on. And I think it looks like a, a shepherd's crook. The shepherd would use that stick to protect, as well as then just nudge in and bring in close. And that's what I want to do this morning. Just kind of lean in for a moment and draw you in, all of you, <laughs> together. And in the midst of our being stretched and the complexity and the challenges and all of these things, because in that space we can lose our compass bearings and we can forget things. And I want to say two things to us. Two things. And I'm really glad if you're here this morning and you are just checking out God, you're not sure where you stand with him because these apply to you as well. They can. Put your confidence in Jesus and grow your conversation with Jesus. In the midst of this space where we're feeling so stretched and the complexity and the hardship and the challenges, don't forget to renew your confidence in Jesus and to increase and grow your conversation with Jesus. I was talking to someone this week about confidence that they can have in Jesus in the midst of their uncertainty. And this passage came to mind. It's said in the book of Mark, and he writes this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said these words, Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. As I was sitting and talking with this person, I said, You know that... The complexity of things that can happen in our life that can distract us in so many different ways. And at the heart of it all, uh, what it means to know God and to follow him, really when it's all stripped back, is about following a person called Jesus. And his invitation and his call is just the same, no matter if you're old or young, whether you're poor or more wealthier, um, whether man or woman, whatever uh, situation you find yourself in life, his invitation is just the same. Come and follow me. It's as straightforward and as simple as that, yet it is as profound as that. If someone asked me, Troy, why do you bother following Jesus? Why do you call yourself a Christian? I would say three things. Firstly, we shouldn't be here having a conversation. I'm a chemistry buff, and I know that there's someone in this room here who I think has a PhD in chemistry, so I won't go on too much. But I, I just um, I don't get the atoms. 98% um, of the human body is made up of, you know, proportionate-wise, carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. Throw in some nitrogen, throw in some calcium, throw in a bit of phosphorus, and maybe some sulfur, and you've got 99%. And when I look at atoms, not that I'm given to that every day of the week, but when I look at, analyze those atoms, they're just the little energy pockets. And yet, I don't get how they can have a conversation like you and I are having now. When I look at the world around about it, it makes more sense to me to say that there's a God who's behind all of these impersonal atoms, and that's what makes sense to me. The second thing I'd say is why I follow Jesus is because there's a historical man called Jesus who said things that no one else said, who did things that I haven't seen other people do, and so I place my confidence in him. And the third reason why is that sometimes in my life, 
I experience God in a way that doesn't make sense in the rational. Can't prove that, but that's why. And behind all of those things is an invitation, come and follow me. It's another passage I looked at. We talked, how about you can have confidence in who Jesus is. In the book of John, someone who was a disciple of Jesus wrote these words about him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become a child of God, child born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And as we unpack the idea of what does it mean to receive or to trust or to believe in Jesus, I said, you know what, it doesn't matter who you've, where you've come from, what's been done to you, where you've been, what you've done, no matter who you are, when someone recognizes that, that they've kind of lived life apart from God and they discover and see who Jesus is, when someone turns their hearts and says, God, I got it wrong, I, I want to know you, he doesn't stand there wagging his finger at you like this as though uh, it's about time you got the drill, but rather his posture to you is one of open arms. That when someone turns their heart towards God and says, God, would you come into my life? Will you forgive me? Will you lead me? It's so he comes to you, he runs to you with his arms open wide and he gives you a hug and he puts on you a robe and his ring and sandals on your feet and he says, let's have a party. Kill the fatted calf. Uh, for those meat lovers, great. For those vegetarians, I'm sorry. But th th there's, there's probably other options. And, and he says, let's have a party together. And he does. And that's his heart for you. If you place your trust in Jesus, it's as though he receives you and he calls you his own. Like you're a daughter and a son that have been lost for a little while, but have been found now. And that's just so exciting. It's for those who receive him. And then there's this other passage that I, I, I thought of, and, he's, and it says this, by the, a guy by the name of Paul, he wrote these words about Jesus. He says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be, you'll be rescued, you'll be saved. And I, You know, we don't have a lot of lords and lasses in our culture. That's for other places, like over in Great Britain. Uh, but apparently at the time of Caesar's death, that's Julius Caesar, there was a comet that was raging in the sky. And around the time of his funeral, that comet was in the sky and they said, look, that's Julius ascending to the heavens to become just like a god. And so they could self-scribe his adopted son, Octavian, who became Caesar Augustus, <laughs> to be the son of God. And so titles that were of Caesar was son of God or lord or king. I said, those words, when you actually attribute them to Jesus, says that the writers of the New Testament, they declare and make this bold claim that it's not Caesar that's Lord, it's actually Jesus. And then when someone bends their knee to him and says, Jesus, I believe that you're the king, you're the boss, you're the Lord of all, you are the rightful one, because God raised you to new life. It says he transports you from, a liar, from darkness into light, the, the the power of death that might have been on you as a human being has been transferred into life. And, and the, the life of the age to come is yours, but it's as though God's life breaks into your life right now. And it's yours. And you can have confidence in that. 
that you experience that sense of being rescued in the midst of complexity and challenge in all of our lives. And there's another one that I showed this person. And I said, it comes from the book of Revelation. I know that it's actually written to a a church that's in modern day Turkey now, but it's this wonderful metaphor and picture of what Jesus is like. And it, it says this, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's this wonderful picture of this of Jesus standing outside the door of someone's life and knocking. Now, there's a great artistic expression of this by someone called Holman Hunt. And uh, many years ago, he painted a portrait and a picture of this. <laughs> and in that portrait, I had Jesus standing outside a door and he had a lantern holding in his hand. And someone observing the painter put all of this com- um, composure together um, his composition together. He said, haven't you forgotten something? Because the handle it should be on the outside and it's not. And the artist said, of course, it's not on the outside. It's because the handle's on the inside. And the only one that can open that is the person on the inside to welcome him in. And so the confidence that someone can have in Jesus is that when they open the door of their own heart and mind to him and let him in, he says that he will come and he will eat with them. And that is the confidence that you can have. Many years ago, there was a man by the name of Blondin. Some of you may have heard this before in the late 1800s, early 1900s. He was a great famous tightrope walker. You can look him up. He used to do this great party trick and it was walking across Niagara River hundreds of feet above the water and he would use one of those old balance beam poles. It was just a huge long one. (laughs) And one day the story goes he walked across and back again and the crowds were there. They clapped and they cheered. They thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. So he called out to the crowd at the top of his voice, who reckons that I can walk all the way across and back again with a wheelbarrow on the rope? And they said, we believe you can, we know you can, because we've seen you walk across. And he did. He got a wheelbarrow, put his pole on it, pushed it all the way across and back again. They clapped and they cheered. They thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. And he said, who reckons that I could put a sack of potatoes in this wheelbarrow and push it all the way across and back again? They clapped and they cheered. They said, we believe you can, we know you can, because we've seen it with the wheelbarrow. And so he did. He put in a load in that wheelbarrow. He pushed it all the way across and back again. Well, they clapped and they cheered. They thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. And then he said, who reckons that I could put a real live human being in this wheelbarrow, push it all the way across and back again? And they clapped and they cheered and they said, we believe you can. We know you can because we've seen you do it with the load. And then he asked the next question, which was, who's first? To which the answer, and this is where my story diverges, it was either his manager or his mother that got into the wheelbarrow. He pushed them all the way across and back again. What a brilliant picture of what it's like to actually trust in Jesus. You see, you can spend all your life standing on the bank going, yeah, I believe you can, I know you can, because look, you've done it with other people. But today he's asking you, Would you get in the wheelbarrow and trust me with your life? Because that's what will have and give you the confidence and hope 
in the midst of complexities. I wonder if you're here today, you've been watching everyone else in your life, or maybe some others and friends stand on the side and get in the wheelbarrow, but for you, actually, it's for you to hear his call today so that you can have confidence in him, not in yourself. You see, in the midst of complexity and challenge and when we're feeling so, many, so much stretching happening in our own lives, I want to remind you this morning with my little pastoral hat on, put your confidence in Jesus in the midst of great challenge and adversity in your life. And it all starts with an invitation to follow him. As simple, as profound as that. The second thing I want to say to you this morning is in the midst of your challenge and the complexity of life, don't forget your conversation with him. I reckon I was in my late teens, early 20s when this started to open up for me. I particularly remember traveling overseas and for the first time in my life, I had no other supports around me. It was though mum and dad were not there. There were no other supports in my life but just sort of me traveling. I know it sounds really good. <laughs> but I remember getting on a train to go to another country and it was just me. And I remember sitting in the railway carriage. I didn't speak the language. Sitting there by myself. And I kind of nestled back into the chair and I went, well, it's you and me, God. It's you and me. I don't even know where I'm staying tonight, but I've got my little backpacker's guide <laughs> and I've got you. Could you provide for me the way ahead? And I reckon over the years, it's kind of grown from there. And I'd love to be able to say to you this morning, it's all been straight lines, but it hasn't. There's been times of difficulty and challenge and stretch in my own life where I've had seasons of dryness, and seasons where I sense God being really close. But the staple diet in between has been trying to cultivate a conversation with God such that I listen and I draw from Him, even in the midst of the complexity and the challenge and the heartaches and the difficulties. I reckon one of the greatest challenges that someone has when they're following Jesus is to keep up the conversation in the midst of the challenge. So there's a passage in the Bible that goes like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And this is what it goes on and says. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're here this morning and you've ever felt anxious and you've had someone quote this passage to you at an inappropriate time, or just as though it's really easy and if you just pray this, it'll all just go away and be fine. And you feel inclined to want to say something to them sincerely about, it's not just as straightforward as that. <laughs> I'd agree. From someone who's had challenges with mind health issues over the years, there's certain levels and degrees of anxiety that we need to be aware of. However, that being said... This has been a great source of powerful interaction in my own life over the years. It's a reminder to me that God's actually interested in the small things and the big things in my life. 
And so part of me in walking with him is trying to understand, God, how do I keep up the conversation with you and offload and upload things to you so that I can bring you into the everyday course of my life? I was praying with someone this week. I, I, I was on the phone and speaking to them and they described a situation they were in that was really complex and hard. And so would you mind, I said to them, if I pray for you, they said, sure. So we prayed together. Well, a few days afterwards, I called them back and I said, how are you doing? And they said, you know what? I don't know what was happening for me at that time, but I feel really good, a lot better than what I was. I said, that's brilliant. Did you thank God? And there was a pause on the phone. And I wasn't doing it to be hard with them, but I was saying that just to say, you know what? In the conversation times with God and you're involving him, Kind of the relationship that sometimes, you know how it works in a relationship, you say, thank you. Someone does something for you and you say, thank you. Because that's what a relationship involves. Peter says it this way, another follower of Jesus. He says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. I reckon one of the greatest challenges for someone who's a God follower is to try and make sense of their hardship and the belief that God still cares in the midst of their Hardship. Does that make sense? Because you would have been struggling in your own life at times, and maybe in this season, where you might even say, God, are you there? Could you please help me? Because it's just really hard right now. I'm thinking of Matt and Beck Yates as I talk. And one of the things that Peter wants to impress upon you, as someone who is seasoned in the truth, who had faced all kinds of adversity and even lost his life for following Jesus, was he wanted to impress upon the likes of people like you, young and old, is that you can cast your anxiety on him because he does care for you. In fact, one of the, the other person who was kind of like walked around the world with, twinning with, if, if you like, served on ministry um, and, and, and spread the good news of Jesus throughout the world was Paul. And this is what Paul said sometime in one of the darkest moments or coming out of one of the darkest moments in his life where he'd been jailed, he'd been deserted, and he felt like it was just even his life was going to end. And in the midst of that, we don't understand what it was, but Peter, Paul said to God three times, God, I've got this ailment, would you help me? God, I've got this problem, would you help me? God, I've got this hardship, would you help me? And he says, in the midst of that, he heard God's voice come back to him and say, No, I want you to learn and grow that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul understood that that was God's words to him saying, I've got you and I'm going to give to you my energy and my power and my sustaining grace, even when you don't always feel it, to get you through this season of your life. There's a saving grace and there's a sustaining one. And in my life as I've walked with Jesus and I've learned to lean into him, sometimes I don't feel his presence, but there's this confidence that this bigger net that God's got me no matter what. And it's for you. And so I would invite you to keep the conversation Bringing God into seasons and circumstances of your life and asking him to pour out his grace, his energy, his power to accomplish in your life what you cannot do for yourself.
Jesus said these words before he left. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take courage. I've overcome it. And he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So in the midst of your being stretched and the complexity and the challenge and the hardship, I want to say to you, with my hat on, put your confidence in him. Yep. Put your confidence in him. And keep your conversation with him. We're going to have a time to pause for a moment. And I wonder if God might be speaking to you today. You've needed to be reminded. Maybe you're one of those persons on the bank and that guy's walking across the water on his tightrope, different man, not on the water, above the water. And his invitation to you is, would you hop in the wheelbarrow? And his invitation to you today is to say, I will follow you. And you've never done that. Well, what's holding you back? You can trust him. Let me put it this way. Can you raise the dead? Do you have all authority over the seen and unseen forces? Can you fix the world's wrongs and sins? Apparently he can. So why wouldn't you trust him with your life? In a moment, I'm going to invite you, if that's you, to just open your hands. I'm not going to get you to stand up or anything, but for you, just posture where you are to say, I, I just as a physical sign, want to open my hands to you, God, and I want to follow you. That would be it. I wonder if you need to have heard this morning those words, keep up the conversation because the communication lines have been or maybe in the midst of it there's dryness I'm going to equally say to you would you open up your hands and we're going to pray for you God might pour out his grace into you and your life at this season at this juncture so that you might know deep down that he is with you are you ready? If you want to close your eyes, you can. You don't have to. But if you would like to receive prayer this morning for either of those two things, would you just posture yourself where you are to receive from God? Just go ahead where you are. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. And in this place, in this room this morning, and for wherever people are watching, we ask that you might come. 
I ask for those who have opened up their hearts and hands to you this morning, who have been standing on the side of the river, and now they're hearing your voice and they're saying, Jesus, I am stepping in and stepping toward you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. I desire to follow you. Father, in this place, would you fill them with your spirit that they may know that they can have confidence for their life in you. Father, for those this morning who have just postured themselves because the communication lines have been kind of scrambled and maybe seasons of dryness, we just ask here this morning as we posture ourselves open to you, Father, would you pour forth your loving kindness and grace into our lives to sustain us in the midst, to bring healing, to bring life, to bring hope to all the things that we are naming before you now. We ask that you might do more abundantly than what even our words can say. And we ask these things. In Jesus' name, amen.